Welcome to Chasing Dreams and Raising Babies. We have an extra special episode today, and I am so thrilled about it. We will be chatting with actress, singer, and voiceover talent, Lara Jill Miller. Many will remember her as the youngest daughter, Samantha, on the hit TV series, Give Me a Break, with Nell Carter back in the 80s. But a lot has happened since then. Lara Jill graduated from NYU, went to law school, passed the bar in three states... She was a practicing attorney in New York and then somehow found her way back into show business where she has made some really cool friends and she's kindly invited some of them to join us today. I don't want to spoil the surprise, but I hope there are some little Doc McStuffins and Loud House fans listening. Yeah, she is multi-talented. She's wicked smart. She's a kid at heart and she happens to be my cousin. Laura, <laughs> Welcome! welcome! I'm glad you said that because I was going to say, and I happen to be related to somebody. Yes, I know. It's crazy. It's like one of those hidden family secret excitement (laughs) moments when like, (laughs) so, okay, Laura, you grew up in small town Pennsylvania, right? Because like, that's where my dad's from. And so that's that part of my family. And I just remember as a kid being at friends' houses or, you know, walking through my parents' living room or whatever, and the TV would be on and Give Me a Break is on, and I'd be like, oh, 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 that's my cousin. (laughs) How did you get that role from Small Town PA? From home, I was doing dinner theater work at home. I did every show imaginable. I was Gretel in Sound of Music and Baby Louise in Gypsy, and I was in Annie Get Your Gun, and I played Oliver and Oliver. Um, And then I did Music Man at this dinner theater, and I was just doing all these shows at this theater in the round called Percy Brown's Applause Dinner Theater. And somebody sent me an article or said, hey, you should go into New York and tell us what a real New York audition is like. They're auditioning for this new show called Evita. Well, I didn't know what Evita was, but I went in to this open call with my mom and, I don't know, 985 other children. Jeez. And, you know, it became 11 a.m. and 12 p.m. and then 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. And I got narrowed down to the last five kids. Apparently, I sang Happy Birthday very, very well. Oh, my gosh. That's so crazy. <laughs> At that time, let's see, so there were five kids, and then I think they were casting two or three, I don't remember, the most blonde kids. And they asked the rest of us if we would be willing to dye our hair blonde um, if we don't outgrow it by the time the other kids outgrow it. And then sort of that was it. And on our way out, my mom was on a payphone telling my dad what time we were coming home. And I heard familiar music in the door next door. And I kind of stuck my head in. And I said, what are you guys doing in here? And they said, we're auditioning for Music Man. And I said, oh, goody, can I audition for this one? Oh, my gosh. You know, I didn't know what Evita was. And I was just singing Happy Birthday. But I knew Music Man because I had just done it. And they said, hold on. So um, a person came out, a very short person. Um, I didn't know who it was at first. And he said, do you sing? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you dance? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you play the piano? And I said, oh, yeah. Wait, how old are you, by the way, at this uh, point? 10, 11. And did you play the piano? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Clementi, the whole thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, He said, do you have an agent? And I said, no. He said, do you have a manager? And I said, no. Um, And he said, can I have your phone number? And I was like, Okay. And so I told my mom, and then, of course, she yelled at me because you're not supposed to give your phone number to strangers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And by the time we got home, there was a message on our answering machine. It was garbled. And I was supposed to come in the next day to meet. And we were like, (laughs) we don't know who that was. So we come in the next day, and I meet Dick Van Dyke. 
Holy Are you kidding cow. me? I see him, you know, the guy from Mary Poppins. And, and so I read, well, I don't even read the scene. I do the scene. I had just done Music Man. So I do the scene. I play the piano, you know, da, na, 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 na. I, I, I tap dance. I do the scene. I sing. I do the whole song. Um, no oh script, God. no nothing, right? And I'm teeny weeny for my age, so they probably think I'm really precocious. And ah. uh, the entire ride back, two and a half hour trip back to Pennsylvania, I said, starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I Aww. wish I may, I wish I might be in that show with Dick Van Dyke. Oh my starlight, God, Starlight, so star bright, first. I did mom. it for two and a half hours. <laughs> and the next day at school, I got a phone call in the principal's office, and um, my dad got on the phone, and he said, so, kid, you want to go on the road? And I screamed, and the secretary said, you know, you're not allowed to get personal phone calls in here. And I said, that's okay. I'm never coming back. Oh, and, my gosh. And this that was just it. insane. And that was the oh. beginning of my career. And and you never went back to conventional school? No, no. Wow. And so I... um. So I did that. We did the tour, and then we were on Broadway for a millisecond because there were no Nederlander theaters open at the time. So we went into the city center, which was huge, and they just couldn't sell out. And, of course, right now I just ended up on some Broadway-remembered Facebook page where people were talking about the Music Man, and everybody was saying how terrible Dick Van Dyke was. And I was like, I beg to differ. He was great. And then during Music Man, I was seen by a, um, a casting director named Garrison True who had flown me to and from hither and thither, um, for the movie of Annie. That was when they were thinking that they would cast Annie as a waif, like me, who yeah. was scrawny with buck teeth and, you know, <laughs> totally doesn't look like an Annie, but they were going to go, like, the waif version. Yes. Um, and I had no agent at the, still at the time. Um, and I had a screen test and was flown back and forth. And, and then, let's see, by the time I ended up back in New York, I had pretty much, like, one audition, and I ended up on Give Me a Break. That's oh my gosh. just absolutely crazy. Yeah, I met the casting director on an open call, and I laughed at him because I thought he looked like Donny Osmond, and then I was flown <sighs> to California, and I met Nell Carter, and she fell in love with me, and and that was it. And here's the, well, I've told this on some other interviews, but it's a little secret about Give Me a Break, which is the first three days of the first week of recording, I played Julie. Um, oh, and then different character. I was okay. switched to Samantha. And was that in the actual show? No. Or were they just, before they aired it, they switched Yeah, it? before they aired it. So I had a, when you sign a network deal, you sign a network deal when you have, you know, your last audition, which is pretty much you do all the negotiating prior to getting it so that you have no bargaining power whatsoever. But um, my name said Samantha slash Julie. So I had a really good chance of getting one of them. Oh, that's so interesting. So were you just a fearless child? Um, Sounds like it. In singing and performing, yes. Uh, Jungle gyms, not so much. Got it. (laughs) And you were what, 14 when you got got on Give Me a Break? 14 to 21 I was. Wow. So your entire teenage, early adulthood was as one of the stars on this show. And where were you living at that time? So yes, my entire formative years, everybody got to see all my hairdos and don'ts and braces <laughs> and everything. Um, well, so I was still in Pennsylvania, but my mom and I would go out to L.A. and stay in this sort of hotel apartment complex, which is where we found when I was doing Music Man when we were on tour. And um, we would stay in this big unit. We got like the three bedroom, three bath unit so we could always have friends come. And oh, um yeah. 
I mean, it was it was a crappy hotel. I mean, it wasn't like what you think celebrities stay in or anything. Your Hollywood experience was maybe not what people think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, even now, people are like, oh, you're some celebrity. You must live in some big L.A., you know, house or whatever. And I go, not so much. But, um, but I just, I still love what I do. And I'm still sort of in the mindset of, you know, you never know when a show's going to get canceled or, yeah. you know, we're in this business. It's a miracle that we it's a miracle that I went back out to California in 2000, and now it's 2021. It's going to be 22, and I've kept up this second half of my career for 20-plus years. So you're doing high school and all that while you're on the show, just doing it, like, yourself with your mom or something? Yeah, with a tutor. Yeah, Ben. And then you get into NYU. Yeah, and I applied to that? NYU single choice early decision because it was the only school I had heard about um, because okay. <laughs> uh, my friend Sarah Jessica Parker and Jamie Gertz were doing Square Pegs at the time at KTTV. And one of them, I feel like the story has changed over the years, but I can't remember. One of them applied to NYU and I was like, oh, I'll go there. Um, and because, you know, I had no I had no uh, high school, what do you call it, guidance counselor or anything. So I just thought, well, I'll go to NYU. And then I deferred for two years because the show kept getting picked up. And then I went to NYU, and then at the end of NYU, I didn't know what the heck else to do. So I took the LSATs, and then I went to law school. So you didn't think, I want to go audition for other shows right away? You thought, maybe I'll just go be a lawyer now? Well, I kind of did. Like, during during um, college, I think I did a summer stock something or other here or there, and I was still doing some celebrity stuff, like um, maybe Pyramid, you know, $20,000 Pyramid or whatever. But... I had auditioned and I had signed a, a, a bunch of other network deals too. And I always thought, well, I would um, go to NYU and then I would leave NYU. Like I never thought I'd finish. But at the end of four years when I finished and my agent was like, uh, I didn't get something else. I guess, I mean, I, I admitted I was probably too um, young and spoiled maybe to just go back out to LA and be an unemployed actress and wait for the phone to ring. You know, I just yeah. didn't know what that would be like. So I thought, well, you know, I like excelling in things and I'm excelling in school. I had graduated Phi Beta Kappa and Magna Cum Laude. Well, by the time I think I applied to law school, I didn't know that. But um, I just took the LSATs and said, oh, well, I'll go to law school. And then wow. I was okay in law school. And I only, um, I had only applied to two law schools, NYU and Fordham because I wanted to stay in New York. And by then I was doing radio spots, you know, voiceovers and stuff, because, you know, listen to me, I sound seven, but I don't <laughs> have- amazing. But I don't have a New York accent. So I was doing that and I just wanted to stay in the city and it got to be like a week into when law school started and I was still on the waiting list at NYU and I said, oh, meh, I'll just go to Fordham. So I went to Fordham and I lived up at Lincoln Center, which was great because my friends were in the Big Apple Circus. So I got to hang out with them all the oh, time cool. at Lincoln Center. And um, and then I still wanted to sort of be in show business, and I was doing another summer stock show. I was still auditioning, sort of, and I got a job at a big, huge law firm called White and Case, it, um, but at, as a legal assistant on, on their night staff. And um, and I did that for about a year and a half or so, and then I just said, you know what, I passed the bar in three states. I should actually be a real live attorney. So I went to one yeah. interview in a red suit, I remember, and sneakers. <laughs> he interviewed me, and I seriously didn't even know where the courthouse was. Like I said, I, yeah. I'm, I can learn anything, but I don't even know where the courthouse is. And he hired me on the spot, and I worked for them for six months, and then I got poached to a bigger law firm, and I worked for them for about a year and a half, and then... Um, what kind of law was this? 
It was insurance defense litigation and was not my passion by any oh my means. Gosh, I was gonna say like left field. I'm surprised you didn't do entertainment law. Well, see, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Some of my internships, they were at um, a PBS station. It was at I had an internship at Court TV, but I just you know, it was like if I wasn't gonna be in show business, I didn't want to be in show business. I didn't want to do contracts for someone like me when I yeah. was someone like me. I so I just it. thought, well, I'll just get out of it. Yeah. But I got out of it until one cold snowy winter day when my friend said, you know, you should come back out for pilot season. And I said, oh, don't say it twice. And she said, you should come out for pilot season. <laughs> and I did. And I booked the very first thing I auditioned for. It was for like Chicken Soup for the Soul. It was an on-camera thing. And then I booked yeah. the Amanda show. Um, and I did mm-hmm. about 13 or 14 of those episodes. Wow. And then my very first audition for a cartoon, which was for Digimon, which was anime when it was Union back then. And then my very first original cartoon was Clifford's Puppy Days. And um, I know that you had sent me some questions and you said, when did you know you made it in voiceover? And it was when I booked Clifford's Puppy Days because it was the very first one because I didn't consider myself a voiceover artist. I just said, well, I sound seven. Of course I could sound like a child, but... When I got Clifford and it was the lead and I was sitting in a room next to Henry Winkler for, oh, you know, yeah. 52 episodes and 52 episodes and 52 episodes, I was like, yeah, you know, I know yeah. I was good. I knew they liked me. I would look in the room with all these older, you know, <laughs> not older age, but older and yeah. they had a lot more experience voiceover people. And I would look left and right and go, huh, I can do that. Because at first I thought I can't do any voices, but now I know I can. Oh, yeah. So did it become your passion to do voiceovers or were you still in the beginning kind of like, oh, I wish I were on screen? Very quickly, it became not my passion to do on screen because who the heck wants to wear makeup? Absolutely. I I mean, I would have loved to and it's waxed and waned, you know, to do another sitcom or something. Mm -hmm. And like the Amanda show was great because I had hardly any lines, you know, one or two or three lines. And so, but after you do voiceover, you get very spoiled because you don't have to memorize anything. Yes. So can you walk us through that a little bit, like how it works? Because the, that's a different world. Are you doing it in your home always? Oh, no. Before the pandemic, we always went to the recording studio. And some shows recorded together as a cast. Some shows recorded separately. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you were doing anime, you always recorded separately. But oh, um, interesting. let's see. Clifford's Puppy Days was all uh, done with the cast together. The Life and Times of Juniper Lee was done all with the cast together. Wow Wow Wubsy was the whole, all the cast together. But by the time Doc McStuffins, we were separate, um, and all the songs were done separate, and then they, you know, mixed them afterwards. Henry Hugglemonster was done together. The Loud House is done together, except now the pandemic, we do it on Zoom and Source Connect. My new show, the the um, Molly McGee, the Ghost of Molly McGee, which we love. I haven't even met anybody else. Oh, thank you. You haven't even met them. How crazy. Oh yeah. Like, like when you're all recording together in a studio. For us, like when we're recording music, we record multiple takes and they comp it later to make one good take usually, unless we're like so amazing one day that they take like a whole pass. But that's very rare when you're doing an entire song, as I'm sure you know. When you're doing this with other people and you're all reading at the same time, like how do you do you do it multiple takes like all the way through or do you go like line by line? Okay, so when it's group records, we usually do a scene. So they'll go lines, you know, 10 through 32. And so everybody just does the scene and then you get some notes and then you usually do the scene again. 
and then you maybe get some notes or some people get notes, some people don't. And then sometimes for a pickup line, they'll say, do line, you know, 12, do it three times. And usually after that, you've gotten it. Wow. How cool. Okay. And then what does an audition look like for an animated anything? Um, well, let's see. What do they we, give you? Well, sometimes we get sides. That's like a little bit of a script um, with a picture of a character, but sometimes we get no picture of the character. Um, and sometimes we get the other lines so we know what the heck is happening in the scene. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we have oh. absolutely no idea what's happening and we just have to just make up something. Sometimes they give you a little parenthesis in the front and say, you know, said intently or said sad or, wow. you know, wry or sarcastic, you know, whatever. But yeah. sometimes it's just a little bit of a script. Um, and they and give then, you like a blurb about what the character's supposed to kind of be like? Yeah, they'll sometimes give um, attitudes like cheerful and most friendly or, you know, a shy person. And you get a picture? Yeah, sometimes we get a picture. Yeah, and sometimes the image really helps. You know, it'll really put you in tune to how oh, to yeah. sound. But yeah. um, sometimes they'll say art to be determined later. So they draw Ew. something and then you go. <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, honestly, there was no art for the Loud House. And when we went into audition, we went into a room and they said, do all of your girl voices. As many girl oh. voices as you have. Oh. And so from, you know, the littlest age to teenager. So, you know, you start at the littlest with a baby babbling and... You know, and oh then and then you go up to like a, a little girl with a lisp, and then you know, a yeah. nose person, and then I happen to do you know Lisa Loud, who has a lot of less lisp. Um, oh my god! And I then love it. you know, like a, a rough and tumble kid, and then a, a princessy, you know, a girl who blah blah blah. I mean, whatever. And then you just go up in age, and apparently the the one with the who I ended up getting cast as Lisa Loud, um, they heard that voice and the creator just knew that that's what he wanted for one of the characters. And my character didn't happen to be in the pilot. Um, so I just thought I didn't get it. But then the show started and then I got the part. There you <laughs> but are. But he said from, I didn't even have to audition. That's incredible. Actually, I heard from the other cast members. They did that and then they got called back to read for whichever character they were reading for. I never even read for Lisa Loud. They heard my voice. They just parked you in their brain and said, she's going to do yep, that. They heard my voice. And then I guess because of all my other shows and things that I've done, he knew I could act. I was going to ask you that. So like, do you at this point in your career, do you feel like people will come to you because they know what you sound like? No. Oh, darn <laughs> um, it. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe every once in a while, like your reputation precedes you. Um, I think I was recommended for, you know, Molly McGee. Um, but you still have to audition. Um, and also sometimes they know your limitations. Like they know what I sound like and they know that I have this one old lady that I do and this one Southern accent that I do and this one New York accent that I do. But if it doesn't fit in to what they want or if it's too close to somebody else, I mean, again, I think reputation helps because like look at Loud House. I didn't audition. Yeah. I mean, and I just got it. Um, I know that for some other shows, um, you know, even maybe who I was maybe played a part, but I don't know. You have quite a resume. And when I was looking through your website at some of the shows you've been on, because we're big TV fans <laughs> in this house, the one that blew me away the most, because I would have never guessed this was you, because I, I can hear you speak and I can hear the Lammy. Like, it, you don't sound exactly like Lammy, but there's something you can tell. Oh, yeah. OK, I could see that. Henry Hugglemonster. 
how do you throw your voice? Like, that's when I was like, she's a, an amazing actress. Well, that show gave me an ulcer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, it actually did. Oh, um, my God. Here's the word, words of wisdom for anybody out there who ever wants to do voiceover. When you audition for a part, make sure you can do that voice for four hours straight. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Not just like a line here or a line there. I mean, talk like that for four hours straight wow. without blowing your vocal cords. Can you give us a sample of that so people can hear what that voice sounded like? Okay, I'm, t- I'm turning my gain down. Here we go. Okay. Hey, I talk like this. <laughs> That sounds painful, though, for four hours. I cannot believe that when I like I was like, no, I I had to look at it again because I could not believe that you could make your voice that different. And and it's so funny because during that time I would get all these auditions for a raspy voice. I'm like, like, you know, I don't have a raspy voice. I'm just putting that on. And during that time, I was also recording Lammy. So Lammy's up here. And then. Oh, geez. So I was just. um. I was working a lot during that time. A lot of vocal rest. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> tons of vocal rest. Do you go weekly? Like if you're doing those at the same time, you were doing Doc McStuffins and then. Yeah. One show would be on a Tuesday. One show would be on a Thursday. Another. So like right now, Molly McGee's on Mondays and Loud House is on Thursdays and, and another show comes in and then they record on Wednesdays. And then somebody, if they have the same record day, like I just did a Casa Grande's again and they're on Thursday. So I forgot about them. Yeah. We love that show too. Uh-huh. We binge watch so, that So, and then one. if you get a game and then they're like, oh, we want to record you on Thursday. And then you have, well, you're in second place after this show. So, I mean, <gasps> there was a time where I was doing four shows at once. And so I was pretty busy. Wow. So you're full time. No, no, because the thing is we have four hour sessions. And oh. I'm not in every, ep- like right now, I'm not in every episode of Molly. So, you know, I work and- Four hour sessions aren't always four hours. Sometimes they're one hour. Sometimes they're um, half hour. Sometimes they're yeah. three hours or four hours. Um, and then Loud House is on Thursdays. So, yeah, I mean, I close myself in the closet twice a week about. And then <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So how much in advance, like, do you get the script? And do you read through it a few times? Or how do you go about it since you don't have to memorize it? Yeah, sometimes we only get it a day in advance. Um, I read through it, mark it up, except now they're sending scripts that are unmarkable, so we don't mark it up. And, um, yeah, that's it. And, okay, I'll admit it, sometimes I read the scripts and I only read my lines. Like, or my scenes. (laughs) Seriously, I don't blame you. Well, you're a professional. I think you probably can just do some of these in your sleep. Well, no, so this is my, this is my argument for that. I read the scenes and I read the lines in between my lines, but I don't read the scenes that I'm not in because you know what? If you were in real life, you wouldn't know what was going on in the other room or in another story. I like that argument. So that's why. COVID has changed the way you work a little bit because you haven't even met your coworkers for the one show you're doing right now. So, and you're in Pennsylvania right now, aren't you? Yeah. So would you say... Prior to COVID, you really needed to be in New York or L.A.? L.A. Because New York is all non-union shows. Well, there are some union shows. Do you like L.A.? I do, except for um, earthquakes. Yeah. But yeah. I do like L.A. I like the weather. Yeah, I like L.A. What is your favorite role you've done? Okay, I don't know if I could answer that, but I've had, let's see. They're, they're favorite for different reasons. Like Clifford's Puppy Days was... My favorite because it was my first one and it just was so pure and innocent and um, it was 
it was just so amazing to me. Everything was amazing. Um, Juniper Lee was amazing because I thought the writing was so cool. Um, oh, God. Well, Doc is just a favorite because, you know, I feel like it changed the world. Um, I love Doc. Oh, my gosh. No, we agree. We think that changed the world. I mean, I think it really changed the world a little bit. Yeah. I just had a little piece of it, but... Oh, a little? You were a huge piece of it. But, I mean, I'm not like the creator, the writer, you know, the director. That show is iconic for this generation. There were little boys who were growing up going, Mommy, can boys be doctors, too? I mean, that's just That's amazing, yeah. So, and Doc also was, you know probably the longest lasting so of course that's a favorite um loud house is also the longest lasting and i love lisa loud like i love her molly mcgee is getting to be a favorite oh yeah we love it molly mcgee is getting to be a favorite because some of the scripts that i have coming up it's funny um, no my character has some really i just met with one of the um creators and he said i think somebody was watching the animatic or something and they cried they <gasps> stop it and that's cried. awesome I, I have some really that's good awesome scripts. my daughter is hooked i i told her that we were interviewing you and she was like very confused about how a person in a cartoon could be the same she goes well does she put on a cartoon right face? i know so <laughs> i was like when she talks oh i used to freak out my neighbors growing up we had these little neighbors next door and they would see me on TV and then see me playing in the backyard and they would just stare at me and just go, wait, what? Wait, yeah, it's wait. very hard for yeah. kids to understand that animation is created and then the voice, you know, yeah. comes later. No, that was live when I was on TV. Oh. Animation, oh animation, little kids, you know, there are parents who say, you know, say hi to my my kid or or send me a headshot and I was like no they don't they don't get it, it. this ruins yeah it. I'm not I don't look yeah. like Lammy I'm not wearing a tutu I'll send you an mp3 file yeah and yeah I'll, yeah but yeah no that freaks them out like why would you want to see some middle-aged lady play you know <laughs> <laughs> I really think it is so incredible I mean your voice is so distinct and you're like ageless you don't I, I wonder if you will ever reach an age where you sound like an old woman like when you're old because you're like, I don't think it's possible. Uh, no, unless I sound like an old woman when I have to do a cartoon. You've been practicing <laughs> sounding like an old woman for roles. But like, literally, you just have such a youthful presence. It's amazing. Yeah. Except now they're casting actual kids for kids parts. Yeah. That was what Hadley was so confused about. She was like, wait, I thought it was kids for when it was a kid on TV. I was like, not always. Yeah. No, the, in, in Loud House, I mean, so... The boy that plays Lincoln, he's a kid, and we've had five of them, you know, because he keeps outgrowing the part, oh. which is why it's sometimes better to cast adults. Yeah. Um, but all of his friends, I'm I'm Liam, you know, the the, the, the kid who talks like that. That's so <laughs> crazy. And um, so all of his friends are not kids. We're all, well, we're all um, the girls. We're all the sisters, and we all play different parts. Yeah. So do you have scenes on Loud House where you're the two characters talking to yes. each other and you have to quick switch back and forth? Yes, oh my and gosh. it's a little hard. Like I, sometimes I have to do a, 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 like a little line in my head to just get back into it. One of my very first lines as Liam was, found my retainer. So every time I have a Liam line <laughs> in my head, I go, retainer. And then, yeah. That's a great trick. Oh my gosh. So... You are just like all around our kids' lives and literally like, like you said, you have changed the world with some of these characters, especially things like Lammy. And I mean, how does that make you feel to just feel like you've really made such a stamp on a whole generation? I feel 
I feel really lucky. And I do not take this business for granted at all. I know that some people, I mean, we, we have a joke, there's, there's some people who are always late for work or, or just, you know, expect that they're always just going to get parts over and over and over. And I just think, you know, the, first of all, there's the next generation of kids or people who could come around or TikTok stars or Instagram stars. So when every time I get a new show that has an impact or not, you know, I just feel really lucky that, you know, I got picked and someone liked what I did and validates what I do. Um, in, in fact, some of the parts, I mean, I, I have a feeling, I don't know this for certain, but I was just, I thought, supposed to do like one episode on OKKO. I played Fink, the little rat. And mm-hmm. then I ended up with a lot more stories. <laughs> and I think that even makes me happy to know that they go, oh, wow, she was really good. We want to write for her more. And I know that happened with Liam, the character on Loud House. I know that it's happening with Molly McGee. Like, I just... I just think that I just feel really lucky, just sort of like you guys. I mean, they always say try to do what you love and then make money at it. And um, so I do what I love, and unfortunately, I get to make money at it. That's amazing. Typically on this podcast, we feature mothers uh, who are also working. You don't have children. I have a cat. You're you're a cat mom. Yes, you are a cat mom. (laughs) So do you mind my asking, was a family something – you ever considered? Um, slightly. Sort of in the fact that when you're little, you always think, oh, mm-hmm. when I get old, I'm going to, you know, get married and have kids. And when I grow up, I'm going to get married and have kids. Well, as I grew up, except for the fact that I never grew mm-hmm. up, um... <laughs> You know, it entered our heads for a while, but it also entered our heads right at the timing of which, you know, some shows were being canceled. My boyfriend's show was being canceled. And then you, I kept thinking, well, our ducks have to be in a row. And then ducks never get in a row. And then my mom got sick and she was sick for a really long time. And then I sort of had this um, feeling of, oh, I don't know if I can handle all this all at once. And then... And then time continued, and I even went to the route of, I had hurt my back at the time, and so I went the route of thinking, oh, I might have to have a surrogate, and then knowing what that entailed, and the cost, and I just thought, wow, I better really want a a kid. Yeah. And not just because everyone was doing it, and not because it was expected of me, or I expected it of myself, and then as time went by, and I don't knows kept happening well I don't know is just turned into well I guess that was our answer yeah and so. it felt like maybe it wasn't meant to be for yeah. you and you know yeah. what not everybody has kids and that's okay yeah. growing a family can be like a full-time job as I know very well like um, a full-time job it is <laughs> it yeah. is a full-time job and it's one of the hardest things for a lot of people to do it's not like you said you had a back issue that was going to prevent you from just yeah. able to do it too. It's like, it's just not an easy thing for some people. And it does take a lot of thought and passion and all of that. And then not to mention, like you said, I mean. And being you, selfless. And I, yeah. well, let's face it, I can admit it. I don't think I could have done it. Uh, honestly, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, with the injuries then I've had, I've hurt my back. I had two hip surgeries. I was like, I couldn't even feed myself for a while. How was I supposed to feed a kid or two? Your contribution to television and children. Yeah, isn't it easier for all you moms out there who have kids who now they can go to the doctor and, you know, you can sing Doc McStuffin songs. It's incredible. Yes. Be brave yes. And- Actually, Hadley asked if we could listen to the soundtrack this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so on the way to school, we were listening to, to uh-huh. you, Lammy, and 
Yeah, it's just, it's awesome. I just think what you do is so cool. Totally. Me too. Me too. I mean, yes, totally. So, okay, in every episode, we ask our guests if they have a favorite month. I know you don't have your own children, but like you're around children, I'm sure, all the time, just with different events or do you have any funny stories? Um, Okay, well, let's see. I have one that, okay, it's not my kid, but so there was a, a new Lincoln who came on for the Loud House and, you know, the assistant comes out and they call us into the booth and and he just went oh i forgot my script and um i looked at him real serious and i said oh what you mean you didn't memorize it oh, and he burst into no. tears oh no <laughs> <laughs> you and i was like no 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 i'm serious you you don't you don't need it they have a new one in there for you but he just yeah oh my god that that's what we would call a coworker fail i was cruel <laughs> Like, that's got to be that really intimidating so for a child. I mean, you were a child actress, but like, it's got to be intimidating to be with like all these adults on there. And that's pretty funny. Um, So we're going to take a quick break right now and play Santa Crashed His Sleigh in Our Garage. And it's kind of like, instead of a mom fail, it's like a mom save. <laughs> yeah, totally. Why aren't you too asleep? It's midnight Christmas Eve I can't even think what this looks like to you Toy-filled stockings on the tool bench That new bike daddy in his old wrench Don't get upset, I know that you're confused Let's get back inside my darlings I think you're old enough to handle the truth Santa crashed his sleigh in our garage He miscalculated a gust of wind And barely missed our Dodge truck The reindeer's reins got tangled up The braking system bit the dust The dog and I just stepped outside For a little walk When Santa crashed his sleigh in our garage Nearly gave your mom a heart attack and that giant 
right. Well, that song pretty much sums up mom life during holiday season for me. And that was a ton of fun to write. Uh, But honestly, I really treasure my moments of peace in the midst of the chaos of the season, which brings me to our sponsor for this episode, Green Made Goods, started by a mom friend of mine here in Nashville, Tennessee. Like me, she had fertility issues, which led her to start really watching what foods she was eating and what products she was putting on her body. After making a ton of changes and finally getting pregnant, she decided while pregnant to create her own clean products. She launched an Etsy shop called Green Made Goods, and her products are now being picked up in boutiques around Nashville as well. Nail, hair and beard, oils, bath salts, soaps, and so much more. This stuff smells amazing. It's beautifully packaged and and is the perfect gift for those in your life who need a little clean calm. Plus, if you use code Chasing Dreams when checking out at Etsy shop Green Made Goods, you'll receive 10% off your order of $10 or more. Okay, now to the next really fun part of our show. So we have Hadley and Parker here, Laura, and they had some questions for you and for Lammy from Doc McStuffins and Lisa from The Loud House. So everybody listening, go grab your kids. They won't want to miss this. Lisa, what's it like having so many sisters? Is it hard doing anything? That was my question, too. Greetings, Hadley and Parker. Lisa Loud here, you know. (laughs) from the Loud House. I love having a lot of siblings. Um, They make a mess and it's hard to get into the bathroom. But... How do you make your voice sound like a kid? Let's see, how do I? Um, I kind of already sound like one. Or I just pitch it up a little higher, or I don't enunciate all my syllables or um, consonants so much, and then I sound like a kid, right? <laughs> How would you catch a ball, Parker, if you had to do a voiceover? What would it sound um, like? I don't know. It would sound like this. Or, you know, or or if you had to run and then trip and then run again and catch a ball, you'd be like, whoa, oh, whoa. So you have to be able to do all that kind of stuff. Sometimes when I teach voiceover classes, um, you know, I have kids try and do stuff like that, like, Giggle, giggle, um, soft, giggle, loud, um, catch a ball. I mean, what does what does catching a ball sound like? Hi, I'm Hadley. I'm your biggest, biggest, biggest fan. Hi, Hadley. How do you know when somebody needs a cuddle, or as we would say, a hug? Oh, how do I know? Oh, I could give away all the secrets, you know, from behind the scenes, because. We have writers who tell us when people need a cuddle, but um, everybody always needs a good hug or a cuddle because everybody should be kind and nice and friendly. This question is for Lady. What do you do when you're scared at the doctor? Well, since I'm made out of fluff and stuff, it's not like I get hurt that many times unless I, well, trip or fall or Stuffy gets into a mess. I don't get scared of doctors because I know Doc McStuffins, and she knows lots of other doctors who I know would take very good care of me. Laura, what's it like to be a cartoon? Like, what's it feel like to hear your voice coming out of another cartoon or an animal or something weird or something loud or something? 
Well, first of all, like I said before, I feel very lucky that I get to play the voices of different cartoons. And when I watch the shows, um, I'm enthralled by some of them. I mean, we don't see what we look like or, or the music or the scenes. So when I get to see the cartoon and then see my voice coming out of somebody that somebody else drew, it's, um, it's quite thrilling. It, and it's fun. Once you've done a lot of voices, do you, like, sometimes go home and accidentally do those voices? Here's the thing. Sometimes my real voice actually just sounds like one of my characters. So when, um, when I was doing Clifford's Puppy Days, when it was airing, I had little neighbors that used to play with me in the pool all the time. And if they would jump on me and I'd go, oh, or oh, they'd go, no, not Clifford's voice, your voice. And <laughs> I was like, it was my voice. Or just every once in a while, if I <laughs> so laugh or make some funny noise, somebody, somebody in my family or something will say, you know, was that you or was that Lisa Loud or something? How do you become a cartoon voice? If you want to do voiceovers, first what I would say is, remember, voiceover isn't just doing funny voices. It's acting. It's mostly acting, and it just so happens that you do funny voices. So you still have to take these scripts where there's black and white letters on a page, and you have to act it out. So like, like what I did before, you know, you have to act out running and catching and being sad and being happy and... and you know, doing all of these things with your voice and making up voices. But I always say, you know, do school plays, learn to sing, take acting classes. But again, uh, doing voiceovers is a lot of acting. It's not just doing a funny voice. And if and when you do do funny voices, you have to remember that you have to be able to do the funny voice for four hours at a time. (laughs) I have a question for Lisa. What's Christmas like in the Loud House? Let's see, uh, what is Christmas like in the Loud House? It's, uh, well, shall I say, uh, loud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. It was nice to meet you. Well, my gosh, this has been so fun. I can't thank you enough for coming on this podcast. I feel like it's such a fun thing to get to talk to the, you know, the source behind so many of our kids' favorite characters and especially here during the holidays um now everybody needs to go out and buy your lammy and watch, watch doc, doc mcstuffins and and watch the ghost and molly mcgee and watch the loud yes House and watch Psy girls because yeah we- yes i am just i'm so enjoying that you are such a part of my television experience with my kids because that's basically all we watch is cartoons and and now I know you. So this is, I just think Aww. it's so cool. I love it. Some of the old, some of the other shows, like Give a Mouse a Cookie is on Amazon. That oh, one. yeah. Oh, we've seen them all. Yeah. <laughs> and Curious George is now on Hulu. And yeah, I only did one of them. Oh, we watched that. We watched that a lot. Yeah, we've seen them all. And Vampirina. Oh, so I was looking at your resume and I was like, Matilda, Matilda. Hadley, is that the little monster under the bed? And she's like, yeah. I mean, we know these shows backwards and forwards. Yes. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, uh, Curious George is on. And oh, yeah. Let's see, um, Give a Mouse a Cookie. What are some I love that ones? show, too. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you're just in everything. Something. I think you can still find that. Your life is so interesting. You just, like, get to interact with, like, really talented people. But I don't. See, here's the thing. I'm in my pajamas 90 
95% of the time. Everybody thinks this is such a glamorous, I'm in my closet. Yeah. Well, that's COVID right now. But like when you're, you yeah. know, when well, you're in person with some of these. You had mentioned earlier on in the podcast that when you were younger, you and Sarah Jessica Parker were friends. Are you yeah. still in touch with her? No, I'm not. And that makes me sad because we seriously hung out all the time. Her and her little sister when she, because I think I was already in the third or fourth season of Give Me a Break when um, Square Peg mm-hmm. started. So when she came out and Jamie Gertz came out and they were recording at uh, KTTV, yeah, we hung out all the time. Um, but back then, then you drift apart and, you know, we didn't have Facebook and, and yeah. tweeting and, you know, texting and stuff. So that, uh, that didn't remain. Yeah. But I, have, but I have stayed in touch with, you know, some cast members from The Music Man and people from Give Me a Break. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it takes effort on both sides. Let's just say that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it is a different world, though, because just even like graduating, when I graduated from college and stuff, there was still no Facebook or anything. And I feel like today's generation with Facebook, they're all going to be in touch for life with their high school friends yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah. And whether they want to. Yes, or not. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there are benefits to both ways. Anyway, you have been wonderful. I am just so excited to uh, share this episode with the world. And we hope that if you ever find yourself down in Nashville, you will come visit and hang out and all that good stuff. Thank you so much. And um, all the moms out there. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Get on a chair, a hot cup of cocoa, some perfectly placed mistletoe. Every part of my heart still hopes. If reindeer can fly around the world in a night, and the coldest of hearts can warm with a smile. Oh
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Chasing Dreams and Raising Babies. As always, you can check out our website for merch and music at wearehadleypark.com or social media at wearehadleypark. Please subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you next time.